Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest, Kelly Kane, is a kindergarten reading specialist with a Bachelor of Science degree and a Master of Science in Education. Kelly suffered a brain trauma after being hit by a drunk driver in 2014 when her son was not yet a tween. Her story is a testament to the power of resilience and the impact that one person can have on the lives of those around them. Her confidence and self-discipline have helped her overcome many obstacles in life, making her a true inspiration. Through her own experience and training in shamanism and UC Yerki, Kelly shares practical tools and techniques for anyone looking to heal themselves and move beyond their own obstacles. Her authentic and positive energy shines through as she encourages listeners to tap into their inner strengths and exercise self-discipline to create a life of abundance and joy. This is The Strong, Single and Human Podcast. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on board. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, I can't wait for you to tell my listeners your story, basically, because um, I've spoken to you before and it's just an amazing, uh, unbelievable story. Unbelievable story, an unfortunate story, because you don't want wishes to happen to anyone, even your worst enemy. But like, look, tell us a bit about, so we all know, so I said in the intro that you had an accident and stuff, right? But like, tell us a bit about your life before the accident, before everything happened. Uh, yeah. So my life before the accident was obviously regulated. I was a elementary reading specialist and married and had a house and my son was seven years old and things were just moving along. Um, you know, I had a tumultuous upbringing, but I won't dive into that. I've done that in other podcasts. So I had already overcome some traumas growing up, but I was balanced when this accident occurred. At least in my mind, I felt balanced. I don't know what any other, <laughs> don't know about anyone else's perceptions. I know that I was um, rigid and set in. Um, everyday routine. Routine was very important to me and just having control. I know that as a younger female, because I was only 37 when it happened. So I had to do so much to put all of that in place that I was, you know, everything had to be, I had to be in control. I was a lead. I was a boss. I, I helped run the house. I was a mom. I ran, you know, my classroom and I'm a reading specialist and I was always on top of things. And it was always the way I'm talking. It's how it was. Fast paced, fast paced, fast paced. So the day that this accident was um, about to occur, I was actually still in fast-paced mode. I'm not the one that I was supposed to take my son to Little League Baseball. That was hubby's job. You know, I was doing so many other things, and he loved to be baseball dad, and I let him have that. And he happened to have to work this day, June 7, 2014. Wow. Yeah, like a weird trading of places. And I was still running around before I picked up my son. Um, I was at the store trying to get gift cards for the teachers who were retiring that I had collected for for two weeks, like just still on the go because there was going to be a teacher retirement dinner that night. And I was on the go. I mean, I was in the car. I was zooming in, out, in, out. Parents know how this goes. And I yeah, exactly. You were doing normal mum stuff, weren't you? Like multi juggling multiple things, running around, making sure everyone else is all good. <laughs> you know, hubby's good. You took over his job, like because he had to work, and you know, make sure the kids are all fine and everything like that. That's basically what we're doing. Yeah, 
what mums do. And never for a slight second did I think it was going to go wrong. So I, you know, (laughs) and I'm going to paint myself in that light. I came in all stressed. Hey, Dad, get your stuff together. You know, put on your, your, your shoes for baseball. Get your cleats on. Get this. I'm holding his bag and I'm making sure he has water. And like, I was a frantic, like on the go lady. I'm not going to lie. And yeah. we get the car and he's seven and I strap him in, in his little booster seat. Mm-hmm. We start driving and, you know, I only live two minutes from his baseball field. So I get him over there and I let him out of the car and he says, tink, 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 tink. and I'm like, ah, he's got his Nikes on, not his cleats. Don't you know? <laughs> That was, a, oh my God. that was a defining moment. I know you as a mom probably feel that where you look down and you're like, do I let this go? And I, I thought about it for a split second and my angels were actually like, let it go, let it go, let it go. He's seven, let it go. And I was like, no, 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 no. Had to be the perfect mom. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. I got it. You go in the field. I see your grandpa. I wave to grandpa. I said, you watch him. And I left. He's seven. No one on the planet would have cared if he was in his Nikes. I got in the car. I zoom home. I got his police. I made it in a minute and a half. Ta-da! Because I don't live that far. But when I got back in the car, I came around this bend. And even at the church, it was a church. There's two churches. One church said it had a lawnmower for sale. And it said, you know, Lawnmower. I didn't even need a lawnmower. It was right on lawnmower, and they were like selling tickets. And my ex-husband, who was the husband at the time, wanted like a ride-on. So spirit was like pull over, and I ignored it. And then I turn. I took the turn, and there was a church right there. And then there's no. There was. You can't see. This is such a turn. Like it's a ninety-degree turn, and there's greenery. So I took it. Like I had taken it a million times and there's a cliff on the right-hand side. I took it like I would never take it. But when I came out, I never saw it coming. He drove straight in at 30 miles an hour. <sighs> I was going five miles an hour at a basic still stop. And he just, and right, right to the wall. And then, uh, I mean, obviously there was unconsciousness. I was kind of upside down. Every airbag deployed. I didn't know what happened, but. He hit me a second time. So when that second time hit, that was when I started getting like, wait, where am I? And no, I couldn't hear anything. Uh, all I saw was white. It was just, I was deaf with white. And, but I felt the impact. So it scared me and, and, and I crawled out. So needless to say, uh, <laughs> that was, I mean, that's in the book that I wrote, you know, the step-by-step of everything that I went through. It was in- incredibly lucky and just traumatic. It was 1042 on a Saturday morning. And this person was not just intoxicated, but like four times, three or four times over the legal limit at 1042 in the morning. So, you know, uh, uh, everyone has their past and things happen with people and I can't, I, I didn't care to read into why, you know, he made that choice, but it's just not part of the journey that I chose to dive into. Mine was all about rehabilitation. God, how do I get better? How do I move through here? But yeah, yeah, I went through an angry phase. I can't, I can't lie. Yeah, no, I was going to, I was going to say there would have been a lot, <clears throat> a lot of emotions after the accident. So like, so you crawled out. So you were like, you could move your arms and legs and stuff and and you could crawl out? No, actually, my car has what's called OnStar and it's an electronic. Oh, that's, yeah, the electronic device. Yes, I remember you saying. Yeah, so when the impact happened and I was uh, like, I was this side under, like, I just want to show you, you know, hanging upside down by the belt under. Belt, yeah. So they still don't know where I hit my head because it was here but we don't know how or why like we can only assume I hit my head down and then kind of went forward and they they're the ones who were calling out and I obviously didn't respond like until you know whatever and then the only thing I got was deployed like that's, that's what I got so so what we should actually explain is what uh 
<clears throat> sorry, I've got a frog in the throat. What Kelly's saying is that in her car, she actually has like a, what would you call it? A security mechanism or whatever, that if her car is in an accident, then it sends an alert. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a GP, like you could call, you just hit the button and it gives you GPS tracking. You could go, you know, it'll give you directions and then it brings it up on the, you know, the board for you to follow or emergency services. There's an even SOS button. To be kind to strangers, you hit the SOS button and call for others for help while you're driving. <laughs> oh, my God. that's But, like, do you get – is this fitted in American cars or do you get this fitted in your cars over there? Um, I'm sure a lot of cars have this capability, but I chose GMC for that reason that they carried OnStar. Um, Chevy my. might do it. Right. I chose that on purpose before I even got this. Uh, because I was not a good direction taker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look, it was awesome because they basically said, are you okay? They spoke to you, didn't they? They said, are you okay? We'll send somebody to you straight away, right? Which was yep. just amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So they got somebody to you. They got you out of the car. They got you to hospital. Yeah. And then like, so what were your injuries? That was crazy. I went to the hospital. I couldn't even lay on the stretcher. My back, uh, like my arm felt like it was going to melt off because when airbags deploy, they have a chemical on them that burns. And when you look at your skin, it looks like it's going to melt right off. So I kept holding my oh arm my in God. the air thinking it was going to melt off because it, it felt like it was melting off to me. Uh, it, that was strange. And then my left side, obviously, because all the impact came from the left side. So I kept, holding my left side and holding my arm and they're like what's wrong with you like because if you looked at me you wouldn't think anything was wrong um but I was trying to suck it up buttercup and I couldn't I couldn't even lay back on you know so what had happened is it displaced my hip it it got my side it melted my arm when I pulled myself out to get away it ripped apart in the back of my neck and shoulder and these in in the insurance world were minor things um and it dislocated this finger i don't hold the steering wheel the same i had it 10 and 2 right we're taught hold the steering wheel at 10 and 2 well when the airbag deploys if you're holding it knocks your fingers out so now i hold eight and four because i'd rather have my wrist turned back to me so this was so this stupid thing was it got me from here out and it bent it and it was so painful I couldn't sleep it took two hand therapists and a year of therapy to be able to just look I can't even I can't fold it all the way but I like who would have thought a dislocated finger would be so bad it kept me up all night because it was where it was torn is like right in between there and the nerve pain it's ridiculous how painful things could be. And mind you, I had a brain injury where my eye was, I had a rash down my face because this would swell and my eye would pour water down my face the whole wow. time. Never stopped. The only thing that stopped it was cranial sacral therapy, like massage therapy. Oh, I was going to say, because that sounded really crazy. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, so, so basically you had minor injuries. And there were allegedly, like, yeah, yeah, I but like, so they patched you up and then sent you home. They brought me in, they did x rays, and the way of their world works is is your brain bleeding? Let me do it right. <laughs> is your brain bleeding? No, is can they find a fracture anywhere? No, and then they gave me an ibuprofen, and I told them I couldn't see straight, my eye was already pouring. And they sent me home and said, wow. follow up with a doctor. And then two days later, I went in for MRIs, MRIs of my brain, MRIs of my finger, MRIs of my neck, MRIs of my body. And at that point, I had already gotten PTSD from like the accident and everything. So that confined space and that loud sound. Oh, do you, have you ever had an MRI? You're in uh, a- it, it, I have. I've had MRI where I've had to go in up to my waist and oh. I it's the most horrific <laughs> like 
I didn't think I had a concern with confined spaces, but um, yeah, I didn't. I just wanted to get out of there, like was, really get out of there. Yeah, the noise was, wasn't too bad, but it was the. It's such a small. Well, it probably isn't a small space, but no, like it, it felt like a small space, right? And and when I went in, I was like, okay, I'm now starting to panic, <laughs> and I had to close my eyes and I had to imagine myself on a beach. That's yeah. how I got through it. Yeah. I and I had to in... I had to stop breathing as well, right? They said, right, can you um yes, hold, hold your, breath. your breath? Oh my god. And 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 you don't know how long you've got to hold your breath for, right? So can you hold your breath? And I'd hold my breath. You know, and I know it's all for a reason, right? But I was going, there were times where I'd sit there and go, When am I when can I breathe? Can I breathe now? Because <laughs> I was like, obviously not took a big enough breath, but yeah. I went in with a brain injury, PTSD, and laying on my back was full throttle pain. So I was like sob crying in there so much. They would tell me, like, you've got to stop or you have to do this again. So I'd grit my teeth and I would punch my fists and I would just literally leave myself as rigid as I could. They had earplugs in for me. They had headphones over me because they knew I was a, a brain injury person. And even with that, I was still like muffling and they're like thank god you got through and i had to do quite a few of those because they were really trying to find like they knew i was presenting as someone that there's something wrong and we can't see it we cannot see it on her and she's a rational woman and like let's let's get to this and they really truly never found a crack so after three months when i started slurring and dropping things, and I couldn't handwrite anymore. I couldn't handwrite. I couldn't speak. I couldn't remember what I was saying in six-second patterns. And I said, something's wrong, because I'm a reading specialist. I work with special needs. And yeah. even my ex at that time was like, something's wrong. And I'm like, I have a brain injury. This is going to get worse. And it did. Uh, but I went in, wow. and I, I made them evaluate me. And, yeah, I was deemed mentally disabled for one and a half years while doing neurofeedback. I so what was your brain injury then? Can you go into that detail? What actually was, what happened? Well, it, you know, and I have tried to have this conversation with friends and people that I know that get head injuries. I mean, a head injury is a head injury. Uh, I think it was a year and a half ago, I was in the front gardening and I popped up fast underneath the, the metal part of my house. And I actually re-injured myself. And I recognized the pattern immediately and went back for help. But people don't realize what the pattern is. So, yeah, I actually gave myself a second one, a reoccurrence a year and a half ago. But back then, I knew immediately right away. I mean, I was a quick-witted woman, multitasking reading specialist, and then I couldn't speak a word. So you would see the letter in your brain, but you can't bring the word out of your mouth. This is what I train my students when it started happening and then I picked up a pen one day and was going like this and I didn't know how to hold the pen and I just froze um they told me I went to a neurosurgeon and they checked to see if your brain was bleeding and he says not bleeding my advice go back to everything you were doing as much as possible you'll get it back kind of like an amnesia type response yeah 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 but that um, wasn't what was wrong with you not for a brain injury you can't do that you have no balance but it wasn't bruising or anything like that, was it? You'd actually... Swelling inside, which made my water pour. Like, I looked like I was constantly crying. Down my... And then I had swelling. Um, so I wasn't recognizing it this way. I, I knew my eye won't stop watering and I can't see clear. I knew that. And then once all those other signs came with the, the speech and I couldn't remember, it really got to the point where I didn't know what I was saying on a 15, 20 minute basis. I'd say I did, I had fights with my exes. Ex, I didn't have, I didn't say that. He'd be like, yes, you did. I didn't. My seven-year-old be like, mommy, you just said, um, I didn't do that. So I tried to go back to karate. I couldn't jump and count. I, I was holding a glass and it would just slip out and drop and break. I had no, there was no rational control. It was the scariest thing in my life. I didn't even want to walk down the stairs anymore. I would hold on with both hands. And I, I didn't even trust my hands. So there were times where I'd say, I'm too scared to come down the stairs. So it really, wow. really messed my world it just up. Completely changed your life then. It was hard to fight back from that, but I was like, 
this is not the end for me. I'm not giving up. <laughs> so did the hospital then recognize the brain injury after all of this going crazy? Like So the, the MRI comparison that I had from six months prior when I was complaining about something completely different and the one they have did show little white nicks in there. And I have, I kept the MRIs on purpose. Like if I ever write a book, I'm going to keep the MRIs and this is my proof because I want people to know I'm telling the truth. Um, so, and I did neuro, oh, by the way, when I had the neuro feedback from insurance, that's not cheap. They don't play games. Like if you don't qualify, you will not get it. So I got it for a year and a half, 42 sessions. And I wasn't checked just by them. I was checked by that neuropsychologist. I was checked by the opposing neuropsychologist for insurance to deem whether your treatments were to keep going. And then I was checked by a third neuropsychologist oh because I was in a court case and that one wanted to make sure that I wasn't faking. So I was checked by three neuropsychologists, six exams. They are lengthy, tiring exams. Um, and so, you know, I'm... <laughs> That's why I'm okay telling my story. Like I was checked by three professionals six times. This happened. <laughs> and I, I turned everything over to uh, my school psychologist where I work. And she was like, wow, uh, I, I can't believe this is happening to you. And I'm so proud of you for what you're doing. Matter of fact, I didn't even tell her I, I wrote a book and she just found out. And she was like, Kelly, you wrote a book. Oh my God. And she was like, just so emotionally happy of where I got after that. She was looking at the reports and she was like, this is legit. You really are mentally disabled right now. Yeah. Wow. Which is just insane. Like being mentally disabled, it's just, you know, I mean, I'm talking to you now, right? You wouldn't know. You see, yeah, you just wouldn't know. So, okay. So then... How did you how did you come back from this? Because this must have affected your personal life, your work life, fam, you know, like friends and family. Like, how did it affect people? It was not an easy road traveled. And and this no. is this is why I come on to try to help others because this this road is rough and it's lonely and it's hard. So yeah, yeah, you know, my marriage ended up not working. And that was like the catalyst where it fell apart. Uh, the friends that I had are not the friends that I have. Uh, my, my job was my steady thing because I've worked there for 20 years. And I love being a teacher. It's, it's engaging. There's a thousand people in my building. And every 45 minutes is different. Every week is different. Every month is different. Every year is different. And I actually think that consistent change, keeping you on your feet, you're practicing, is what kept me mentally engaged and constant. It's like a mental jog, right? You know, so I was exercising, I was trying, but this was the, the mental part of exercising. I was going to neurofeedback and I was going to my job and I was doing my best for all the students. But yeah. So were you still able to do your job then? Because obviously I'm thinking getting into like six months, three, six months, like you weren't able to talk, constantly crying, um, all of those sort of things. So I'm sort of thinking that must have affected your work during that period of time. It did. Uh, I was hit June 7th, 2014. And clearly they were like, you're out for the school year. You're out. My district is oh. supportive. You're gone. You got sick. You have sick days. You know, take them. Okay. So I thought in my mind, being the overachiever that I was, is that I was going to take a, a summer break. I'll rehab and I'll come back. And I couldn't come back in September. I tried to go back in October. I went in. I had a neck brace on. I was taped all the way down <laughs> my back. and just, You could see. And I was walking like this and stiff. I couldn't pick up folders because I couldn't move this hand. And oh god, of course, so, bloody finger. Yeah, I got a I got a call down to the office, and my principal was very kindly like, "Yeah, so we're gonna send you home." Oh, I sobbed, cried. 
I thought it was over. And they said, no, 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 we're sending you home because you, you have sick days. We're running them. You're not ready. You're not ready. And I cried because I took that as, you know. Yeah, see you later. Defeat. And I didn't want to lose my position working with the little ones. They said, we promise you're working with little ones. Don't worry about that. And I ended up being out a year and a half and they compensated. Wow. And that is a big wow. wow. My psychologist says to me all the time, you must be a miracle baby because no one gets that kind of support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking- well, hats off to you. So like, so, okay. So how did you pull yourself back? Cause like you said, right. You're out for 18 months, right? You, you had all these issues. Um, how did you get yourself back? How did you keep yourself positive during that time? So the first thing that I had to do, and I'm trained to track. The first thing I had to do was track my appointments, And I had 14 specialists, 14. I mean, oh we're my God. hand therapists, PT therapists, homeopaths, neuropsychologists, psychologists neurologist like it just it went down and I would write down the date and the time and literally I think I had three or four or sometimes only two he said sometimes only two appointments a day I made it my life to spend every day rehabbing because it I just wasn't going to give up I was only 37 this was not the end for me I was not having it and to, into that, I went back to my Reformed Church of Sardis and spoke with my pastor because I just, I needed a little bit of God back into my life, you know, kind of, you know, why wouldn't yeah. anybody under, try? Why? Why did this happen yeah. to me? Why was it me? And then um, I was teaching with some and then she said, you know, I think you would benefit from Reiki healing. And I, well, what's that? Energy healing? Okay. And I always had a gift. So I indulged in that and met my shaman friend who was clearing my energy and I met a Reiki master, became a Reiki master, and then started studying shamanism and it's just like all together with the doctors and specialists and becoming a Reiki master and shamanism studying, it just started to unfold in my angel studies. I was actually studying angels big time. So I had like this spiritual buff while I was awakening or transformation, I would say transformation because I was always gifted. I just wasn't doing anything with it. So I know that that all came together. So when you, but when you say you were always gifted, right? What does, what does that mean? And how does that look, what does that look like? Yeah. So uh, I knew, you know, my mom is. This is where I get scared. Yeah, yeah, no, don't, <laughs> don't get scared at all. Um, and it's funny, I'm not as strong as people think I am. You hear the words and you get terrified. Don't be terrified. You know, I, and that's what makes me such a good reading specialist. I guess I would be clairsentient. I have my angels. I have like, I know I have angels around me all the time. And my, you know that my parents passed 36 hours apart during the pandemic time. Um, I know they are so present and uh, they send messages all the time. It's not scary. I don't feel like, you know, there's no, oh my God, that's Freddy Krueger in the corner type thing. None of that action. (laughs) You know, it's very kind, angelic. I see the messages they come across. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've come across so many medium friends and I have a lot of powerful medium friends who are all published and they, they were like, you realize you're one of us. I'm like, no, nah, yeah, you poo-poo it all. And then now that I'm not afraid of it anymore and, and putting it out there, because remember, I'm 46 years old. You know, I have m- many childhood experiences, look, he's back, many childhood experiences, um, you know, with this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Mama, and ironically, he comes back when I was talking about childhood experiences and spirit. Ah. Uh... Yeah, it's like if people are listening to, if people are just listening to this, um, Kelly's just, uh, her cat keeps coming into the screen and keeps coming back. And, um, well, you've got an interesting story about how you found your cat, haven't you? It's like you're, in a way, he's like a little guardian angel for you. 
Yes, and it's funny because I didn't even share this with you, but I was praying the whole way down to that summer trip that we were taking before finding him for a perfect cat for my son, who is seven. <laughs> and that's not what happened. Uh, this little beach kitty from a house that we rented that was $10,000 uh, was being chased by a fox and ran into our home that we rented and, and everybody in there was upset about it. They were not pleased that I was keeping this cat in, but we were from a family rescue operation. So I locked it yeah. up in the room and he came home and he ended up being my, my spiritual baby, my cat, my kid was like, that's not my cat, that's yours. And I'm like, I know because I had the accident right after that. And he yeah. was the only pressure that I could take of my chest. My son who was seven could not hold me. He could not hug me. He could not touch me. A brain injury sends, you know, information all the way out. I was on Percocet, Xanax, flexural muscle relaxers, oh um, you know, anything to keep inflammation down. So naproxen, heavy hitting stuff. It was so just getting off of all of the drugs was its own journey in itself. Wow. Yes. Well, they seem some pretty heavy hitting drugs as well, right? So, you know, just, yeah, coming free of all of that. And so do you think you would have gone on the journey, studied the shamanism, done the Reiki master stuff if you have had the accident? That's a great question. And so far out of like six or seven podcasts so far, no one's really asked that question. I Well, I, I like to be out there. <laughs> That's right. Way to be the first girl. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I always wanted to. I don't think that I had the bravery or avenue to step forward to get into it. I mean, I always had the gift and it followed me from house to house to house to house. I would call my sister with incessant stories and my sister always told me, it's not where you're going. It's you. It's you. It's you. And I would get so mad and upset. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> um, I just had an energy that things were drawn to and trying to communicate. And then I took it as a horror show. Now that I can channel it, tell it to go away, filter it, and control it, and have an avenue yeah. for that, uh, it's completely fine. My sister's like, I can't believe where you've gotten. Like, I'm so proud of you. You're just you're in it. Like when things happen, you you can channel it and be like, you're good. Moving on. No more crazy phone calls out of terror. So you were sort of blocking it a little bit then, were you? And like the accident, like just changed the path of your life as such. And um, so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to go back to your like 18 months recovery, right? Because what were some of the lows in that and what were some of the highs right or was it just all lows it can't be all lows it wasn't all lows uh and the last podcast that i had asked me this question and that's when i wrote my book i really got into it that was why it took me nine years to write the book because i publicly put such vulnerability in there i showcased the lows and the lows included you know, incessant crying. Uh, the lows included, you know, when I was holding my mom's hand for home hospice on her 11th day, I did not expect the phone yeah. call where dad was going to slip, fall, hit his head, and die. And that night I had a one hour drive home at 10 p.m. and I walked through the house. I walked in, grabbed a bottle of wine, walked through the house to the hot tub, sat in it, and just drank the bottle, stopped crying and had my son come stand above me, looking at me like, oh my God. I mean, imagine that, like that, he saw yeah. that. And staring yeah. at me and he was like, mom, what? what's wrong? Yeah. Right? Well, and so he thought grandma died. He didn't know, oh, grandpa shit. did. And when I said, my dad died, he said, you mean your mom? And I said, my dad. And his face just went to terror. Like in his head, he's like, she just lost everything and now she lost dad before and her and he knows it and he's staring at me like I know like this scared I know your mom's dying right now and I think a little bit of how would I feel like if you both disappeared 
you know. Yeah. 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 That no, that's was right. Like, that's right. That was one of the lows, having him stare at me in that fear of, what if I have what you have? <laughs> so out of all of this, right, you then decided sort to write a book. Yeah, my sister trapped me in a car in November. No job, no oh. joke. <laughs> she I was going to say, why? Why did you write the book? But your I, sister, it's your sister's fault. I I always said I was going to do it, and I told my mom I was going to do it. And you know, my mom knew it was never the right time. That I wasn't done. You know, it wasn't just the accident. It wasn't just them dying. It wasn't just the PTSD. There's things that I haven't even written about or talked on any podcast is brand new with you. When my parents died, um, the order of the house who it belonged to was in question. And I had to go to court with the state for a year with a lawyer uh, on my own. After all of this, I've never spoken about this anywhere because, you know, she was in a nursing home, but the house belonged to my dad and who died first and who owned it first. Oh and my where I, God. Yeah. I've never spoken about this anywhere. Not even to anyone that I've dated. Never. And you just wouldn't think, you just wouldn't think that you would have to be dealing with that when you've lost both your parents, right? That, that but, happened. Wow. I, it, it only come to a win because they died at the same time and like processing. And so. Oh my God. When I think about how, like, okay, all oh, this is terrible, and there's times where I'm like, I wish that never happened, and I realize, I don't know. People ask me all the time, would you be happier if it didn't happen, or are you okay now? I'm, I'm okay now, but that's called survival, so I, I can't gauge. I don't know what would have been on the other side anymore. I now know where I am, but... But that's the first time I've ever shared that. I've never even shared that with my agent. TV expert doesn't even know that part. I never shared that. So people don't know the whole story. They know what I'm speaking. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, so then you sat, your sister cornered you in a car. Oh, yes. And said what? Yes. No, no, no. That's okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm interested because it interests me. I interview quite a few people who go through life changing experiences, and I'm just interested around where you go from life changing experience to putting it into a book, right? Because that's a personal life changing experience to you and all of your feelings and thoughts, and then you go and put it into a book. So it's like, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, she cornered me into a car and she took me for a long driveway or drive. And she said, that's enough out of you. You know, enough out of you with procrastination. You're going to finish this and you're going to write the book. And I did, I did in two and a half months because it was something that I was already, I was contemplating it for nine years and it just, She was right. It was time. You know, I had gotten the divorce. I sold the home. I moved out. I was in an apartment and she said, okay, this is your starting over point. And that's enough. I've had enough of your procrastination. I feel like she was channeling mom and she said, get to it. And I got to it. So the book was a little bit like drawing a line under, under everything that happened. Yes. And Uh, a start over. It was the start over, you know, and it was very therapeutic, you know, when I had to go back and get records from the accident to print it in the book, right? I wanted to be oh, legit. Wow. So when yeah. I asked for the FOIL request, that was the first time that I read with my own eyes the actual report. And this man who hit me, you know, I never expected any communication or or such, just just an apology. Like I didn't need anything other than I'm sorry or an explanation, just I'm sorry. An apology of some sort and move on. I didn't need a life story. It was just, I don't know, this is what you expect out of human nature. And I didn't get that. But in the report that I found, when I wrote the book, inside the report, he was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And I didn't read that until it was time to write the report that was never shared with me from either lawyer. And 
it's just so funny that the report was written specifically the way that I had told that story 9 million times, but they questioned wow. me over and over and over like I wasn't telling the story right. Yeah. And when I read that's that lawyers story, for you, right? At the end of the day, that's them doing their job, right? Just questioning away. But I know, I know. And when I, I read that, I was like, you all knew I was telling the truth. You all knew I was saying it the same way every single time. And so just reading the report myself when I was ready to write the book, maybe that's what my sister's job was. Maybe that's what mom was trying to tell her, you know, what to do there. To get it sorted. Yeah, to get it yeah. sorted and to get it started so that. Yeah. I would find that interesting. So, so the book quintessentially is about your journey through the accident and then your journey through to healing. Yes. Is that basically what it covers? So the first part of the book is I am, I talk about the accident and then I talk about the PTSD involved in it because the PTSD is deep. <laughs> It's very deep. Well, I was going to say, let's talk about that because we haven't covered off PTSD, right? Yeah. And and look, and, and people um, are getting PTSD through domestic violence situations, various different situations that you know, as a single parent, you would be involved in, right? And you and and accidents as well, and you know, um, you can be a single parent and have an accident, which would be horrendous. But like any accident is horrendous, but like. What was your PTSD then? Talk to me about the PTSD because we hear that phrase all the time. Um, but what does it actually entail? What is it? So the PTSD portion included, you know, obviously the fear of being, it's funny because I was in an SUV when the auto accident happened, but because it saved my life and kept me hurt to a less degree on all avenues, I did not want to be in a sedan. I still have PTSD in riding wow, in a sedan. Okay. So the funny thing is um, I was driving right after the accident, not realizing what um, a brain injury was because I was, I'm trained. Face your fear head on, face your fear head on. So I got in, you know, this sedan rental uh, that they gave me and I would try to drive. And now I realize hindsight, that was not good for everybody else on the road. Wow. But I didn't know. No. I didn't know. Yeah. So I got in the road to try and, you know, overcome this fear. And I was tweaked out by a million things. And I thought, I just thought it was fear. I didn't know what PTSD was at the time. I didn't know what yeah. brain is, right? You know, I'm just. Well, so many people don't, right? You just basically, like, I, I suppose, like, from the era that you and I came from, right? It's like deal with it, right? Just get yes. on and deal with it. Face your fear, yes. deal with it. You'll be okay. Just get on with it, right? And actually getting on with it sometimes isn't the best thing. So what happened with the PTSD then? Well, you just was triggered like oh, yeah, loud that, noises. What about loud noises? Badly. Uh, I, I remember riding in the car that was rented for me with my ex-husband and this large uh, truck was coming up behind and he was stopping. But the natural sound of the brakes goes, and that sound yeah. triggered me. And I had a ponytail and thank God, I literally opened the car door because we were going slow enough. I opened up the car door I wanted out. So I opened it up and my ex had grabbed my hair and pulled me back and was screaming, what are you doing? Screaming at me. So he did wow. not understand what was happening with me at all. Yeah. And he was looking at me like, you're now psychotic. I don't know what to do with you because he just didn't understand. And I, you know, my neuropsychologist met with him. My psychologist had conversation and it's just, you know, he couldn't, just couldn't grasp what was Yeah, happening. understand what was going on. And, and it was just, no. you know, and kind of like, oh, is this what I'm left with? You know, that, and I was feeling the same. Wow. So, I mean, it does take its toll on a relationship if it's not really, really strong in the first place. And yeah, it, it ended up ripping. Well, and the, thing, and the thing is, right, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a brain injury, right? So it's a hell of a thing for you to deal with. Um, and then, so how did it affect, did it affect your son at all? Oh. Or did he just get? Yes. 
My son is oh. the most amazing thing on the planet. He was seven and I couldn't take him anywhere. I couldn't have friends over. I couldn't bring him to have sleepovers. He was very isolated. I did everything <sighs> that I could to socialize him, but I could see it in the nine, 10, 11 year age range where he was just not having friends and sleeping over and all that and not fitting in the way he used to. And I actually ended up changing his school for him uh, in the fifth grade because things just, they weren't working and I needed him to have a fresh start. And after old therapy that I had, I knew, you know what? He was not happy, but I said, shush, I know what's good for you. I'm doing it. Like I've already done this. I led the path. Now you do it. And I put him in a new school and it changed his whole world. Because at that time, now it was, you know, years out where, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, four years out, four years out, I was able to walk, talk and do all sorts of things. So now he's perfectly fine. He's a straight A student. He's <laughs> going to drive next year. It's five. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's just such a good boy, and his teachers love him. He plays baseball. He's very good at it. You know, his friends. Oh, he's like still playing him. baseball then. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Ah! Him, him, and my son would get on so well because my son loves baseball. Is crazy for baseball. So not yeah. one team. It's four. So it's like the high school. Oh my school god! Team. But he was on junior varsity and varsity rotating. And then, you know, the the last year of Babe Ruth, you know, the little guy league that they're playing, and then a travel team. So he is just completely invested in the baseball. So this accident did not disturb that at all. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I know. I know. Crikey. Crikey. So look, um, where can people find this book? Where can people find you? So I had Amazon Publishing Pros uh, create, nice. Kelly, yeah, they created kellycanehealing.com, my agent's tvguestbert.com. You can find me on there. They're very happy with this website, so am I. Yeah. Um, it's done very, very well. They they put it together very well, everything that I've done. They put my photos up from, you know, iSpy Studios and I'm on Amazon. I'm on Barnes and Noble. Actually, I just finished my first book signing on Barnes and Noble. Yay! Yay! My, May 27th, I did it, and they asked me to come back. Woo! Yeah, I know. <laughs> Little people think. And what? And what's the title of your book? What is what, what is your book called again? Angel in the Mirror: Healing oh, Traumatic yeah, Brain right. Injury Through Western Medicine and Spirituality. Because that whole spiritual piece that took off. I mean, I ended yeah. up becoming friends with these powerful psychic mediums everywhere. And they're, they're like little besties. I text them back and forth all the time. And this is a beautiful network. Yes. No. Okay. So people, um, it's on all your bookstores as it were online ones. And, um, and you have your own website, which is kellycane.com. No, it's kellycane healing. Kellycane healing. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Cool. global. Dot global. No, so that's cool. That's cool. So I don't know. I've got a final question for you. Yeah. And it can't be your own book because we've just plugged that, right? But yeah. through all of this, is there a book that you can suggest to my listeners that got you through this? I do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, go for it. Go for it. And why would you why would you recommend it? Well, I have a whole I have at least five of them, but oh I'll my try God. I'll try to narrow okay. it down. You know, the first one was my psychologist, the pain survival guide, how to reclaim your life by Dennis T. Turk. And that was how to manage, you know, everyday pain and just PTSD and things that are going on. But when I was in my uh. neuropsychologist's office, because I was doing those exams, I would get so afraid and I was so afraid of what I was going to turn out to be and who I was going to be matched with. And so Shel Silverstein, the missing piece meets the big, oh, it is the cutest children's story about oh how my you God. find yourself. I know, it's so cute. I tell you, it's so cute. I've posted it a million times. So, um, and I've read Alan Watts, The Wisdom of Insecurity, and that talks about 
you know, living in the here and now and appreciating the present. So it's very deep, if you like that kind of read. And um, Alberto Villoto's Shaman, the Healer Sage. Of course, that's one of the things that I've been studying. Yeah. And the Reiki book that I was using as I was becoming a Reiki master is <laughs> Usui, U-S-U-I, Macau, M-I-K-A-O, if I did that right. That's from memory. Oh, my God. So there you go. Okay. I was ready. I was ready for that question. Those are the things oh, I would. All of those. Yeah. So there we go. We got like a bumper pack of books this time. <laughs> well done. Well I'm done. That's awesome. Um, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Look, Kelly, thank you for coming on here and telling me about your story, right? Because um, it's a scary story, but it's got hope because you got through it. Everybody can. You got through it. Yeah, healing is not pretty. It doesn't need to be, you know, this giant, uh, you know, wave of actions or emotions. It can be ugly in and out, and you got to be okay with that and just move forward. So that's what I'm trying to yeah. show. It's a, it's not always pretty. There's a lot of crying face on the cold linoleum or ceramic tile floor, whatever. It just is what it is. It's in and out. It's in and out, and you yeah. just keep going. It's baby steps, but as long as they're baby steps forward. You're good. That's right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, look, thank you thank again you. for coming on here. It's been a pleasure. I adore you. Thank you so much for having me and, and helping me hear my story and pass it out there. Wow. Write more books and we'll get you back on. Oh, it's funny. You're not the or first do person. Some, or You're do not some, the first do some other that. stuff. I know. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the encouragement. I'll take it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.